Hey everybody, welcome back to the not yet released podcast, formerly known as the After Action Report. Uh, we are rebranding early on to uh, one of my favorites, Cold Pizza. Welcome to Cold Pizza. <laughs> welcome to Cold Pizza, Pastor Matt. <laughs> hey guys. We're hoping to enjoy the leftover bits uh, of our nutritious meal after the fact, um, which are definitely still delightful. I'm a Cold Pizza fan. How are you? Yeah, no. That that's what's so funny about this is that I'm not I've I I like to eat food the way it was meant to be eaten and that is hot. Uh if it was a hot dish. Well, so, that's no. that's one of the blessings of pizza is that it's ready in multiple states. So, yeah. See, as you know, you know me, dude. I I will eat about anything, but if I can have my preference. So, I'll eat cold pizza, but I'd much rather eat it warm. <laughs> well, we're going to see what good things we can get from the leftovers here today. Uh, and jump right into things. So yesterday we talked about theological and cultural maximalism. Um, and again, in our distinctives, ideally, you're not seeing these as new. Um, hopefully it's just new vocabulary. Uh, these things have been around for us, at least as elders, for uh, for a long time. Um, and we're happy to be able to communicate them more thoroughly, uh, with more clarity, and definitely we're trying to move it um, kind of into the front door. So we've been uh, revamping our membership class and pushing those into that. Yeah. Trying yeah. to make sure that people can see these things early on. So with that, uh, this particular sermon is very much about the application. So we're going to go ahead and push uh, the envelopes of application today first. Uh, can you give us a little bit more around the idea specifically of maximizing, or if I guess we want to take yesterday, maximalizing <laughs> these things? That's right. Yeah. You know, when it comes to uh, uh, preaching, you've got um, you, you've got kind of two camps, I would say, of, of preaching. One is... Uh, preaching that's just kind of a running commentary, just kind of explaining the passage. And and then they'll kind of slap on some basic uh, kind of token application at the end, kind of throwaway application. Um, you know, make sure you go home and love your wives. Yeah. Uh, wives, make sure you go home and respect. You know, that's... Uh, make sure you go be a good worker. Mm-hmm. Uh they're not going to maybe dive into the details of it's either just general or low effort or both. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other kind of the other extreme, um, is more pragmatic church growth type preaching where it's like no commentary on the passage, mm-hmm. uh, no explanation of the no exposition and of the passage, uh, explaining the passage, um, and just all application. Uh, so here's your 10 steps to a better marriage. And I'm going to string together a bunch of unrelated passages that may or may not relate to those 10 points. Yeah. So on the so, former one, it's more of the commentary sermon, which I'm much more guilty of, you know, eight years ago. Oh, and then on the other extreme, it's hi and welcome to my TED talk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so even, even good reformed churches, uh, who are definitely going to be in that, that former category, and are going to have are going to do really good at explaining what the text means. But I think a lot of times they 
uh, will give uh, just a token application at the end. It's hard work to do good application. Yeah, well, and it's dangerous. Yeah, that too. So I don't, I don't want to judge motives. I don't know the motives of those guys' hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times the preaching lacks uh, teeth. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's great at explaining the passage and probably better than most can. But it's, it's lacking, uh, you've heard me use this phrase, like, like handlebars. Like, mm-hmm. how do I drive this thing when I get home? So how do I take what was taught and how do I actually put it on the road and drive it? What do I do with it? Uh, and if, if God's people don't know what to do with it, then, um, then really what was, what was the point? Yep. Um, because faith without works is dead, mm-hmm. James tells us. And he's prepared every good work that we should walk in them, you know, Ephesians. So, uh, and the Word is sufficient to teach us and equip us for every good work. So uh, what do we do with it, both internally and externally, is is crucial. So, as we think about uh, preaching and teaching, and it's not just this is not just isolated to the pulpit. I mean, this is this should infiltrate um, our classes on Sunday mornings, our seminars. It should infiltrate our children's ministry, youth, uh, DNA, all those things uh, that that we teach in a way that really pushes the envelopes of application. Because uh, I mean, after all, we're talking about maximalizing these things. <laughs> We're just going to make up words as we go. So, uh, and, and as you saw yesterday, this begins with a, a theological maximalism where uh, we want to we push into the theology. We don't want it to say something it doesn't, it doesn't say, um, so we don't want to push it uh, beyond, but we want to squeeze it for every ounce that yeah. we can get. Uh, and we... And, and, in, in our understanding, but also in our unity. Mm-hmm. So we don't think unity is accomplished by like the lowest common denominator or the lowest measure. It's actually a, a unity around the fullness of Christ. Yeah. Uh, so we want to know all there is about Christ to know, and as we know that and agree on that, then we'll experience the greater depths of unity that the Lord intends for us uh, to enjoy. So one of the things that came to my mind that after I was preaching, I was like, you know, I wish, I wish I could say a little bit more on this was that when you dance in the realm of application, when you say, um, that because the passage says this, that, that your life should look a particular way, it's really easy for your examples that you give to be made into like moral absolutes. Yeah. Yeah. As if it must follow this way. As yes, exactly. So for example, when you say uh, that a father is to lead his household, uh, that it is him and his wife's responsibility biblically to educate their kids that that's not the government's role. It's not even the private educator's role uh, or the private Christian educator's role. Uh, it is the responsibility of mom and dad. They are the teach them the things of God. And newsflash, that's everything. 
<laughs> that's math too. Now, you know, for for my family, that looks like um, we started homeschooling, and then we did uh, Christian private education, and then we did, uh, or we're doing rather, um, kind of a, a hybrid of that. We homeschool, and they also go to a, a private Christian education uh, uh, institution, if you will. It's really easy for us to take one of those examples and for me just to talk about, all right, here's how my family is educating my kids. Uh, and if I just say that, all right, here's how my family is, is taking the reins and applying the responsibility to educate my kids. It's really easy then for people to hear that and say, oh, the Bible says I have to educate my kids. That's my responsibility. And then them to hear me give an example of, well, this is how my family's doing it. And then for people to hear that and say, oh, that's how I must go do it. Yeah, they're they're setting their sights on your method versus the actual principles that you're leading and exercising in. Yes. Yes. So uh, for you, it might be Christian private education or it might be homeschooling. I mean, that that those are you could do either. Now, there's also another ditch that you can fall into, and that is missing the principle altogether. <laughs> so just saying, okay, well, that's how he educates his kids. I can just educate my kids however I want to. Mm-hmm. Well, the, 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 the principle was that you're responsible to make sure they are educated in the things of God. So you, you can't send them to someone who's not going to educate them in the things of God. Yeah. So that is outside the principles. So the, 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 I think the main point I wanted to draw in there is that as, you, as we think about application and applying the Scriptures max, in a maximal way, you've, you've really got to be sure of who you are in Christ and your righteousness is in Him. And then from there... You've got to think, okay, what is the principle? And not get your own proclivities to prove yourself or to earn your righteousness and get those proclivities let, let you or lead you to get wrapped up in the method. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> that you don't uh, let your laziness lead you to completely avoid or disregard the principle altogether and say, well, that's just his way and I can do it my way, however. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah th- that's super helpful, especially in a lot of these areas um, where the overlap between person to person in the same pew is very similar, right? And, and yeah. it's not a unity by conformity in that sense. Um, there's there's a unity around the theological principles, the principle that's driving us as men to lead this way, as as women and wives to to live this way with these principles in mind. It doesn't have to take this particular avenue, but it does have to have that same drive. Yeah, that, that's super helpful. Um, I like the idea of being secure uh, in who you are in Christ in order to understand and look for and explore those things. Because uh, going back to your idea of the estate, the the estate, the the home base matters. It is um, really what, what everything comes back to. Mm-hmm. And so as knowing that I have that and it's strong, 
Well, now I feel a lot more freedom to be able to go out and do what I need to do in the surrounding acres. And so one of the challenges I think that happens with this application component is being able to rightly recognize how many different facets there are in any one person's life. Uh, we may kind of start with, uh, well, there's there's me. Okay, well, good job. You have that first fear sovereignty down, right? <laughs> Uh, it's Maybe. me. Well, me physically, me spiritually, and that's it. And, and miss how much goes into each one of those things. So I have a tool that I use from counseling. Uh, it's super helpful in just maximizing <laughs> in broadening. I'm gonna keep making up words, opening up the Vista to how much is actually going on all these different categories in our life that we need to look look to and so as we hear the scriptures and maybe just apply it to one thing maybe it's you know work uh, our career what does that look like and then well wait what does it look like everywhere else what does it look like in my finances and budget what does it look like in my family my children what does it look like with my parents what does it look like for my social activities what does it look like for my friends what does it look like in the church, in the Bible, in prayer, in witness, in school? What about in my body, in my physical health, and exercise, and diet, and sleep? What about my use of time, my use of abilities? What about in my marriage or in sex? How do these, how's this principle carry over to all these other avenues of our life? And if we're really shaky on who we are as our identity, then we're going to fall into some pits of saying, well, my failure in this one area is my identity. No, it's not. But also my failure in this identity <laughs> might crop up in other in other places yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. When we look at uh, our individual, um, well, what do we call it? Our, our quarterly retreats that we try to do as staff, we go through a different tool that helps us outline all of these other areas of our life and really evaluate and dig in deep. And that's, that's what we want to do when we're thinking of sending soldiers out to the edges. Can you look at all of these different areas in a maximal way? How can you maximize the principles across all of these different areas? So, like Treebeard, we don't fall prey to the idea of, well, everything's fine in Fangorn, and I'm in control of everything, and not realize what that, that the edges are burning, and that it's going to change the entire nature of the forest if we don't take care of it now. Yeah, yeah, which, which kind of is a good segue, I think, to actually to the third thing we were going to talk about today, and that is elders and and other stronger spiritual leaders in the church will oftentimes swoop into a person's life into a surrounding area, like they've. Uh, they jump into a scenario or a circumstance that they see has has gone awry, uh, thing something that's being let go or that is uh, um, that seems to be uh, the a worldly influence in that area, and and oftentimes the response is something like, "Oh man, it's, it's not that big of a deal," or. Man, why are the elders being so hard on me? Or, uh, wow, that's that's like domineering. They're getting into my business. You know, they're they're getting they're getting beyond their reach, or they're 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 speaking to something that um, you know they 
they really shouldn't be messing with. And, and, and really where that elder's coming from is, A, they, they don't, like, they care about that physical thing, that further reach of the, of the estate, but what they see that's not being seen by the person is that there are bricks coming out of the foundation of the house that are connected to the further reach item or what seems to be less significant mm-hmm. um, out here three miles away. And so uh, the elder, though, is using, or the pastor or the, uh, the disciple leader is using that as an opportunity uh, to say, hey, hang on a second, something's not right. But, but it's really easy at that point, particularly for a prideful person, to say, no, 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 I'm good. And, well, what's the big deal? This goes back to last week even on the reproof before correction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, you brought up a good point earlier today about uh, the danger of being deluded. Mm-hmm. Um, that not realizing that you're actually, you might be on the furthest reach out here and you might th- think everything's fine, but you're actually in a swamp. Yep. You just don't realize you're in a swamp. I mean, you're still moving, you're still getting things done, life still looks kind of kind of good to you. But someone who's wiser than you realizes you're just three steps away from really being in a pit. Mm-hmm. And if you keep going down that road, you're going to get there. And so, you know, there's been many times I've approached someone uh, that I'm like, man, the thing that they're doing is, is really right now is just not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like, but I see where it's headed mm-hmm. or I see that, Hey, there's actually three or four things here that to that person is going to seem unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. But I can see the string of unbelief Yep. that I can pull that string from circumstance A to B to C to D. And when I look at it, I'm like, man, your house is on fire. Well, that's because sin always escalates. And to our point earlier around that wheel, it's going to manifest in several different areas. Yeah. It never just stays in one. Fire spreads. Yes. I, and, and I like, and here, you know, your, your house is on fire and I'm coming to put it out with water. But, but you're standing there with the, with a cigarette, like just watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, I'm good, dude. Like, here, just light up my cigar. And I'm like, no, dude, it's on fire. Yeah. And now you're going to set your yard on fire, too. Well, I think that might even be what it generally feels like, is everything's soaked in gasoline, and they're standing there with the lighter, and they're <laughs> like, what's the problem? Don't drop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, unfortunately, I think what oftentimes happens then is the person sounding the alarm... Uh, is seen as the problem. Well, it's the nature of an explosion. Yes. <laughs> you get caught in the fireball. Yeah, that that is a huge challenge and is usually the that's that's the danger with delusion and, and what back to Proverbs, what's frustrating about that is it's supposed to be self evident. It's supposed to be, 
Oh, I can feel the heat around me. I can smell the gasoline. Like, you would you would think I'm being burned. Yeah, it's not that easy. No, it's hard. I, I remember an example of of some young men one time. This is a number of years ago began missing church to do some um, rather amoral recreational activities. There are fun things that even I would really enjoy doing, and I do enjoy doing. I and I remember the. A missing church here and there for that and and it's like uh, i mean it's a it's a big deal uh but it's not terrible you know it's not necessarily sin uh but that coupled with some other items that were in their lives and the influence of uh the people that they're recreating with i just knew that it was uh, from what we could tell and 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 figured it was not going to go well mm-hmm. uh, and eventually that became more frequent and more frequent um, to the point where now you know six seven years later I, I don't think that they go to church even to this day yep uh, and these are people who grew up going to church their whole lives. Uh, and then we're faithful, really, really faithful for a time, and never, never became members. But you know, it it disappeared, and it was one of those like we had conversations, but you know, it was like it's no big deal, it's mm-hmm. no big deal, Pastor, it's no big deal. I'll be there next week. It's no big deal. Yeah, to your point of that individual thing, maybe not being sin. Go into the picture of missing the mark, right? Sin means to miss the mark. And so you're an archer, right? That's how you usually have to hunt. Um, how much goes into hitting the mark when you're firing an arrow, right? Yeah. A lot. So what happens if you start to get distracted a little bit to the left? Uh, something's flashing over there while you're trying to, to aim your arrow. What happens if you if you lean a little bit to the right? Yeah. If you start to pull back a little bit too far or you change your timing of your release, all these things that seem innocuous at the moment will actually end up in you not just missing the mark, but missing the target altogether. Yeah. And yeah. those things build that lead to then that sin. Or to, to push that, uh, your example or metaphor a little farther, you, mu- you might actually wound the deer. Yeah. And it might take days for it to die. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh like that's that's a real danger. Yeah, I was talking about a target, but you're oh yeah, you're talking about. Animals. I don't sh- I don't shoot at <laughs> non-moving targets, man. Come on. So yeah, that's, that's super helpful. That's what you city boys do. <laughs> uh, I think it's helpful to look at the delusion component and and recognize um, that we need help on these things. It's the idea of of even being in the city and having an enemy at the gate. But all of the resources, all of the soldiers in the house are at the wrong gate to defend. Yeah. And and being bewildered that people even show up and say, hey, there's there's somebody outside. Yeah. Yeah. For history's sake, when you look at the Revolutionary War, we had so much less of a standing army than England was able to bring over um, through the colonies. and. That war was won and lost in large part by what battles they chose to fight and where and with how much of the enemy. 
And so by actually taking stock of what's going on in the area around and rightly putting the principles of what you have to use, uh, you can hopefully achieve victory. But the danger is to say, eh, it doesn't matter. We can engage them here or, or there or with this size and to be deluded and suffer not just defeat, but catastrophic defeat. Yeah. 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 And it, I think that brings us to our last uh, thought here. And that is, as you, as you press in to further application of the word and and you address sometimes or oftentimes the furthest reaches of life like how do you in a godly way uh, plow your yard or how do you in a, a godly way a christianly way um, work for your employer or vote at the voter box or um, speak to your children when they're disobedient um, or how you engage uh, someone um, who's living a very pagan life. As you do that, you realize that both as a leader and then as a follower that the, the requirements to be a part uh, seem to go up. And I don't mean that in a like earning your way into it, but as in it it's more costly to to be a part of that. Um, the expectations are higher. And we just live in such a, a culture where most churches require less of their members than a shopper rewards card at your local target. <laughs> like it's kind of goes something yeah. like this. As long as you contribute here, you know, financially and you keep the seat warm and you don't cause a fuss, you can hang around as much as you want. And heck, you can even choose which bathroom you'd prefer to use. <laughs> like <laughs> the expectations yeah. are are so low. Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as long as you can breathe, you can come. Oh, yeah. That's the church growth movement. Warm bodies. Warm bodies. Now, when we think about, like, what is required of you, I, I don't mean, like, uh, churches requiring people to serve X amount of hours or be in a number of ministries, although those things are a part of it and certainly re important, but, but require of you in the way that you perform your vocation or the way you keep your house or the way you lead your household or the wives and the way you submit to your husbands or uh, mom and dad the way you educate your kids or how do you manage your finances or how um uh how big of a vision do you have for seeing the world discipled for jesus oh, yeah. christ yeah I, I hate to rail on sports because it's a soft target that so many people go after but yeah most people are better at being sports fans for their favorite team than they are at being christians yeah and yeah. what they represent and chase. This is one of the things I appreciate most about uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, used a lot of his sermons for our bumpers and stuff. Is the way in which he does application is by reminding them that they're Christian. He said, "Yeah, <laughs> he's the one that uses that word the most." And for for whatever reason, in my you know upbringing and and college years, I I shied away from using that word specifically. Um, but he 
uses it all the time. You do it as a Christian because you're a Christian. You do this and you do it this way. Yeah. And it's because that's our identity. It's, it goes back to the kingdom language of we are kingdom citizens. We're ambassadors for our king. And so we represent him in what we do because you're a Christian. You do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. I should start using that more in preaching. I Like, this is the way you should do it because you're a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to start doing that. It brings the demands to bear immediately. Do you want do you want the title? <laughs> do you want <laughs> do you want to be involved with that covenant people? Do you want what you say you do? Mm. Then it and this is what it looks like. And it's not a stretch. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We should start doing that. <laughs> uh I think that this week's um topic is is maybe one of the deepest ones just by definition. Um, it's about maximizing all of these things throughout. And so I hope that even as you look back over the past several sermons, um, even over, even over our old series, as we very slowly go through a first Peter, or as we were getting ready to very slowly go through uh, a Hebrews, you're seeing us trying to maximize all of these things theologically first to make sure that we understand the principle. We understand what the Lord has for us, how this how all of these things are, are revelatory of his character and who he is, and that's why it bears on us. And then how do we actually bring it out in our culture as a church, but then to affect culture? Yeah, yeah. Man, let me let me add in one more thing before we before we jump off here. Go back to the the hunting analogy. I don't I don't you know if you've been around here for a long time you've. I used to chase deer all the time. I haven't heard any uh, stories lately. Uh, in preaching. So let me chase a deer here for a moment. <clears throat> yeah, if, if, if I just want to think about uh, theological maximalism and cultural maximalism as it relates to that example in, in deer hunting. If you, don't, if, if you don't know much about deer hunting, uh, particularly bow hunting, you're going to think, all right, well, how do, I, how, do I, how do I go do that in an effective way? You're probably going to think, okay, well, I, I need camo so deer can't see me. Um, I need a weapon or I need a, a bow, and I need to be able to hit the target. And then I, you might think, okay, maybe I need to be up in a tree somehow. That's sure. That's probably going to be the extent of your application. The uh, Is there a fancy word for hunting? Uh, hunting? Sure, okay. Hunting, hunting minimalism. <laughs> hunting minimal. There you go. That's uh, and you might say that's cool. As long as we can all talk about those points, then we can all get along. There you go. That's your hunting minimalism. There you go. And that makes me a hunter. <laughs> well, for some people, they think so. Yes. <laughs> um, that's good for you. Uh, but and and even I am am limited um, compared to guys who hunt professionally. But when I think about hunting, I think of um. You, you, certain camos work better because of the vision of deer and what they can see. They can only see grayscale. They can't see full color. Scent is a big deal. Um, so you have different kinds of scent. You can either just cover your scent or you can add scent that makes you smell like deer. Which is, is what, Pastor Matt? <laughs> uh, um, just want people to see how maximalized you are on this. Body fluids from other deer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So stop it. Um, and then, and then you've got like the effectiveness of your weapon. 
the effectiveness of different uh, arrows and broadheads and and the weight of your uh, of your bow and and how tall the the limbs are of your bow so that you don't hit tree branches when you're swinging how high you need to be up in a tree what time of day that the deer come and so on and so forth and and here's my point there's I, I gave to the to the to the newbie when it comes to hunting you know they're going to think of Oh, I'm going to go apply this, and they can think of like three things. Mm-hmm. Well, I can rattle off the top of my head probably forty things. Yep. That that from my understanding of hunting, that is being maximally understood, uh, is going to affect the culture of my hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to to bring maybe some more specifically biblical things here, like the the treatment of that animal. Like I. I should not want that animal to suffer. So theologically, I should want it to to have a quick, swift death, and then I should want to utilize the uh, the bounty of that reward from yep. from maybe a mount to display because there was something conquered, to eating, um, to sharing that with other people and being hospitable with that reward. And so I say all that to say, and kind of to, maybe to land the plane right here, that the more richly or maximally you understand the scriptures and the more time you give to uh, applying it to the culture of your emotions, the culture of your mind, the culture of your household, the culture of your church, um, the more uh, rich and delightful and the more loving of your neighbor and loving of the Lord and glorifying that, that experience will be. But that takes work. It takes time. It yep. takes study. Um, it takes mental effort. It takes moments when you're emotional to say, hang on a second. What does the Word say? Yep. What does my theology tell me in this moment? Mm-hmm. It, takes mo- it takes time when you're in dispute with a spouse or when you're getting ready to go discipline your kid for you to say, all right, hang on a second, pause. What does the word say? What does my theology say? And if I don't know what it says, then I should go figure out what it says before I do something hasty or before I let someone else be the Lord of my life or my emotions be the Lord of my life. And I I think I don't say that to like be overwhelming in the sense of, oh, my gosh, there's so much for me to figure out. Because you can't truly know the end of it. You can't know the end of it. But Paul's prayer in Colossians is that we would know the the vastness of this knowledge and wisdom. Absolutely. Romans 12 tells us that we have the Spirit and the Word to discern the perfect will of God. Yep. So if there is something to know, you can go know it. It can be known. It can be known. And the Lord has given you a new heart that can know it, mm-hmm. and a mind that can know it. Yep. So that would be my... Yeah, that goes against what we we heard last year from, or last week from uh, MacArthur um, complaining about the the emerging church of certitude. And they're like, we can't know, we can't know anything. No, you can. It can be known, and you it can. can be acted on. Then, yeah, yeah, so, good. Yes, don't be hasty. <laughs> so, so there's some cold pizza. There's some good pizza. Would you put deer on any of your pizza? Uh, no, I, I I don't even love eating deer meat that much. I like it, but I don't love it. So just like cold <laughs> pizza. 
I'm more of a beef guy, but those aren't fun to hunt. That would be, that's more my speed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I could do that. <laughs> well, it's, it's, about, well it's, it's, it's about the speed of those still targets you shoot at. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, we could just go cow tipping instead. That would be fun. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for uh, for joining us on Cold Pizza. I hope that this again is helpful. Uh, helps you see a little bit more uh, where we're coming at as we apply these principles. What we're hoping this looks like for Christ the Lord. Um, yeah. And again, we're going to try to really uh, pull on these things and help you see them as we go into further series. As we get into Hebrews, you're you're going to hear about the historical uh, nature of of the faith because. Because he's going to pull back to Israel a lot, right? Especially in early chapters. You're going to see these things come through. We want to make sure that we're pointing those out for you. Uh, But yeah, this has been Cold Pizza. And we want to encourage you to know, love, and obey the Lord in all of life. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys.